So I want you to do something. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse 19 to verse 24. And this morning, or this morning, it's still morning, I'm going to be talking to you on this subject. How to lay up treasures for yourself. How to lay up treasures for yourself. Amen? There's a way to do it. And we're going to talk about that today. Let's read together. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So the first thing we see in verse 19 is Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And if you just stop there, you would think Jesus is against treasures. He's against you having treasures. He's against you laying up anything, especially laying up things for yourself, if you stop there. But that's not where he stopped. So let's go to verse 20. But do what? Lay up for yourselves in heaven. So there's a negative command. Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. And then there's a positive command. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So Jesus is actually saying to you and me, no, not just saying, he's really commanding us to lay up treasures for ourselves. So if uh, you have a problem with laying up treasures for yourself, you're more spiritual than Jesus. Because Jesus is actually saying, listen, I want you to do this. In fact, I don't just want you to do this. I'm actually commanding you to do this. Lay up treasures for yourselves. And so, again, he's affirming there's nothing intrinsically wrong with a person having a genuine and appropriate concern for their own self-interest. Are you hearing me? He, he, he encourages, he thinks it's a good thing when a person motivated appropriately by a, an appropriate concern for themselves makes some decisions to better themselves, to better them circ their circumstances. He says, you should do it. You ought to do it. In fact, I command you to think about the future and to make some decisions laying up treasures for yourselves. So there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Jesus is commanding us to do it. What is problematic is when we only care for ourselves and have no ability or concern for the well-being of others. And so all we think about and the only thing we are motivated by are the things that are for ourselves. That selfishness is what Jesus uh, does not approve of, but a genuine concern for yourself to take appropriate action, to take care of your family, to take care of your children. He's not forbidding you having a savings account. He's not forbidding you having a retirement account. He's not forbidding you setting some things aside to take care of your family. He's not forbidding you from having wealth or possessions. That's not what he's doing here. 
it cannot be what he's doing because there are just too many places in Scripture where God blesses his servants with possessions. I mean, if he was against you having treasure or possession or wealth, then why did he bless Abraham with so much? Why did he bless Isaac with so much? Why did he bless Jacob with so much? Why did he bless Solomon with so much? Solomon asked for wisdom, and God said, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you all these other things. And it is said that Solomon was the richest man that ever lived. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen? If he is forbidding treasures, possessions, you being wealthy or you having things, then why did he make such wonderful promises? Why did he say, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul promises, uh, prospers? If he's forbidding that, why is it that when he created Adam, he put Adam in the Garden of Eden, where there was no lack? Wealth, possessions galore. Everything that Adam would ever need was there in abundance. Why did he promise Israel a land that flows with milk and honey? All right? There are just too many examples of God blessing his people with much. Too many examples of promises God has made to bless his people. Too many examples for us to say that now all of a sudden Jesus is saying, somehow poverty and having just barely enough is a good thing. Having more than enough where you can actually lay some things aside is somehow sinful. That's not what he's saying. So let's be careful. That is not what he's forbidding. But instead, he is actually commanding us to lay up treasures in heaven. Now, notice also that not only is he not forbidding laying up of treasures, he is actually also talking about money in church. You guys not here with me today. Ah, no amen, no hallelujah, nothing. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Dr. Pat, Dr. Pat, let me look at you because you're encouraging me. I'm doing what? All right, that's it. Now, I have some strength. <laughs> Are you here? Okay. But he's actually talking about money in church. You hear a lot of people say, that, you know, that, you know they, they, I don't go to that church because they talk about money too much in church. Can you imagine they accuse some people, accuse us of talking about money too much here? So let me, let me tell you, if Jesus were your pastor, you would have a problem. Because, again, I didn't, do re I didn't do the research, but the research was done. And they found out that 15% of what Jesus taught on was involved money. And that, that is more time spent talking about money than talking about prayer. Talking about heaven and hell combined. So Jesus... Spent a lot of time talking about money. So I did my math and I divided 15 and, uh, you know, what percentage. If I, 
if Jesus preached every Sunday for, like I do, most, you know, 52 weeks, 15% uh, would come out to about eight. So, so Jesus would spend the equivalent of eight Sundays speaking on Monday. Monday. Now, if you reduce that, because I want you to understand how frequent that is, if you reduce that to a quarter, three months, that means in every three months, January, February, March, he would preach at least two messages on money. By that time, you say the man talked too much. Oh, two times! <laughs> April, May, June. Another two times! By that time, he'd rather leave the church. July, August, September, another two times, money. October, November, December, money again. Ah! That's all the preachers want. That's all those pastors want. They just want your money. The truth is, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about money to his people. If Jesus was your pastor, you would hear a lot of sermons dealing with money. Now, why? Why? Because Jesus understands how connected our attitude towards money is to our spiritual life. He understands that the two are intertwined and they have a direct impact on one another. That whether we accept it or not, my attitude and your attitude towards money is directly impacting my relationship with God and my spiritual life. It's having a huge impact on my spiritual growth. A huge impact on the level of productivity and fruitfulness that I'm experiencing, the level of fulfillment I'm experiencing in the kingdom of God. He understands that. And for that reason, he must teach it not in order to deprive us of it. Jesus has no problem, again, with you having money and a lot of it. But the reason he must teach it is because money has to be handled with care in order for it to be a blessing. If it is not handled with care, it can be a tremendous curse. It's, some, it's like fire. You can use fire to do a lot of good things. Are you hearing me? But fire not handled properly will burn your house down. Money can be a tremendous blessing to you personally, to your family. But if you don't handle it properly, it can literally destroy you and your family. So when Jesus sets aside this much time to talk about money... It is because he has your interests in mind. It's not that he's trying to take something away from you. He wants to give something to you. Amen? A preacher, I think it may have been Randy Alcorn that may have made this statement originally. But he said, uh, when, when the Lord or God is talking about money and, and, and stewardship 
and all of these things related to finances, he's not doing so because that's the way he raises funds. He's doing so because that's the way he raises children. Are you hearing me? There are just certain things we need to know about the relationship between money and our spiritual life that we cannot afford to be ignorant of. And to demonstrate that, look at uh, the next verse, 621. Let's read that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice what Jesus said. He didn't say where your treasure is, your heart should be. He says where your treasure is, your heart will be. In other words, this is not now a commandment. This is just a statement of fact. Your heart and your treasure are married. They're together. They're one. So interconnected that your treasure cannot be one place and your heart somewhere else. Where your treasure is, your heart shall be. If your treasure is on earth, your heart cannot be in heaven. If your treasure is in heaven, excuse me, let me say this. If your heart is in heaven, your treasure cannot be on earth. They have to be, they are together. Like if I had my hand in a glove, wherever my hand is, the glove will be. Amen? Wherever the glove is, my hand will be. My hand cannot be in the glove and then my hand one place and the glove the other way. That is what Jesus, this is a strong, irrevocable, irreversible truth. It's just a law. So since this is a fact that is irreversible, irrevocable, this is the way things are, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. Your heart cannot be on God if your treasure is on earth. Your treasure cannot be on earth and your heart be in heaven. Jesus is saying, listen, knowing this, I want to give you some wise advice for your life. So I want you to see these words that we're going to talk about here as wisdom from someone who desires only what's best for us. Not from someone who's trying to take away treasure, but someone who wants to show us how to lay up treasure such that it will provide maximum glory for God while at the same time maximizing personal benefits for ourselves. The two are not exclusive. Let me repeat that. Maximum glory, maximizing God's glory while at the same time maximizing your personal benefits are not exclusive. In fact, they're complementary. The greater... It's the glory that God gets from my life. The greater personal benefit I will also receive. Are you hearing me? So what Jesus is trying to do here, he's trying to 
teach us. It's like an older person with all of this wisdom giving us the benefit of his experience. Saying, listen, I've done this before. I've been around a long time. I know how this thing works. And I can tell you what the outcome would be. And based upon my knowledge and my experience, let me save you a lot of trouble. Let me save you a lot of heartache. Let me spare you a lot of tears. Since your heart is going to be where your money or your treasure is, and your treasure is going to be where your heart is, listen to me. This is how you should lay up treasure. This is where you should place your treasure, and this is why. And he said, what I want to do is to show you, and I want you to repeat this because I don't want you to forget this. I want to show you how to maximize God's glory. Say that, how to maximize God's glory in my life and how to maximize personal benefits in my life at the same time. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to choose between one and the other. You see, if Jesus is saying to glorify God, you got to not receive any personal benefit. You can't lay up any treasure for yourself because God is not going to be glorified. That would be a much harder thing to do, right? I would still want to do it because I believe whatever Jesus says I should do. But mine, it's so much easier. It's so freeing to know that they're not incompatible. In fact, they're mutually complementary. That if I learn how to glorify God in my giving, at the same time, I will be maximizing and deriving personal benefits from what I'm doing. Now, do you want to hear what Jesus has to say? You think it's going to be helpful? Okay, raise your hand so I know you're telling me the truth. Okay, good. I got your attention. So now let's look at what Jesus specifically said. Go back to verse 19. The first thing Jesus said was, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Why should you not lay up treasures on earth? One reason is this. They are not secure. Remember, your treasures are the, your most valuable possessions, right? They're the things that you hold on to, the things you trust in, the things you don't want to lose. That's why they're treasures, right? He says, listen, it's okay to have treasures. But because treasures are so important and so valuable, don't lay up your treasures on earth because one, they are not secure. Moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, things laid up on earth. Or we could say it this other way. Do not make material possessions your treasure. Because material possessions will not last. They are not secure. If you're going to invest a lot of money uh, into some type of savings or some type of, of a bank or whatnot, there are some countries you will not, do, you will not put your money in. <laughs> right? I mean, let's say you had a, a $50,000 right now. 
Will you, will you open an account in, let me use my own country. Will you open an account in Liberia? Especially with elections coming? <laughs> no, why? Because you have judged, no, no, this is too valuable. I can't afford to lose it. I'm not going to put it in the bank right now in Liberia. It's just too uncertain. I'm not going to risk it. What you're going to do, you're going to find a country where you have a lot of confidence that you're putting your money in a place where it'll be secure. That's wisdom, right? And it's the same line of reasoning Jesus is using here. Jesus is saying, listen, your treasures are too valuable to invest them on earth. Why? Because of sin, the nature of material things is that they will decay. They will be destroyed. The, 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 the happiness that material things can give you by its very nature is temporary. That's just the truth. So in Matthew chapter 13, I, I hope I'm making this clear. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the sower that went out to sow. And he talked about the, the different types of people. And he answers, one of the questions he answers is, why is it that some people hear the word, but they never become fruitful? And one of the explanations he gave, he said that he who receives seeds among the thorns is he who hears the word, and notice, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So he says one of the reasons people don't be fruitful, even though they have heard the word, is because of what? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, riches will deceive you. And what Jesus is trying to do is to prevent you and me from becoming the victims of fraud. I mean, Many of us have gotten involved in the, what do you call it, the pyramid? And yeah, yeah, a lot of amens. <laughs> and we are excited and motivated by the promise of a lot of money, right? And so we start giving our money, we start giving our money, and at first it looks like the thing is working and we're happy. Until. We all, well, maybe I shouldn't assume all of us are stupid. Most of us <laughs> have fallen for that. And many of us have lost money because the happiness promised by the pyramid scheme doesn't last. It eventually disappears and laughter turns to mourning. Some of us have watched, we have watched, we have watched, there's a show called American Greed. And it shows how these guys come up with these schemes. In Nigeria, we call it. <laughs> well, well, America has its own scheme, amen, where they put together these elaborate plans and then they promise you these huge returns on your investment. And because you're stupid or you're greedy, or both, I'm talking about me too. But they, 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 they want, what do they call it again? 119? 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419. 419.
419, I wonder, ain't never get me. <laughs> but a pyramid scheme, <laughs> I'm a victim a few times. Amen. But they come up with this elaborate scheme, right? And at the end of the day, one or two people get rich. The other people lose everything. Fraud. Because they make a promise that they cannot deliver. We're foolish enough to believe it. We'll buy into it. We invest money into that. And in the end, all of that happiness that it initially brought is taken away. That's fraud. And Jesus is saying, riches are deceitful. I want to protect you from this fraud, from this scheme. I don't want you to be victim of the false promises that money makes. Because money will tell you how happy you will become if you have a lot of it. And the more you have, oh, the happier you will be. And if you buy into that lie, you are setting yourself up. Because money and the happiness it brings you is only temporary. They did a, they did a survey. They did a survey. They did a survey and they asked people how much money they think they need in order to be happy. And when the results came back, it turned out that most people, the majority of people felt the amount of money they need in order to be happy is twice the amount that they're currently making. So if I'm making 40000 oh, if I can only make 80000 I would be happy for life. But the person who is currently making 80000 he said, if I can only get 160000 I'll be happy for life. The person who's making 160000 my mouth will hurt me now, is, will be saying, if I only can get three hundred and oh yeah. The person who has a million, is saying, if I can only get one more million, I'll be happy. Do you see how deceitful it is? Money promises you happiness, and the more you get, supposedly, the happier you will be. But every time you get to the place where you think you'll be happy, you discover, I'm not happy. I still need more. But because you've been deceived now, you are on a pursuit of money rather than pursuing God. The need in your life that only God can fulfill, money has deceived you into thinking that you can fulfill it for that need if only you had more money than you have. If I was to do the scheme, I mean do the survey, uh, you know, I think another, another answer that people might, might give to the question how much money I need to be happy would be a lot more money than my neighbor. A lot more money than my friend because no matter how much I have, if my friend has more, I can't be happy. No matter how much I have, when I look at my neighbor as more, I can't be happy. Because we keep comparing ourselves to others. And we, quote unquote, will be happy only if we feel we got more than you. The deceitfulness of riches will cause you to begin to pursue money because you think money can bring you happiness. Now, let's be honest. Money can bring you happiness, but it cannot bring you happiness that will last. 
I mean, how many of you haven't bought a new car? Eh? You bought it on credit. <laughs> you had your monthly payment, let's say $500 a month or $600 a month. And when you drove, man, you were so happy that new car smelled. <laughs> At the end of the month, you had to pay that $600. Before you know it, that the happiness you used to feel, <laughs> same car. But the happiness it brought you didn't last. Now it's just every month I got to pay this money. This is what the Lord is trying to save us from. He's saying, don't become victim of this fraud perpetrated by this spirit of mammon. Money will not satisfy and fulfill your life. Every bit of happiness that money gives at the most is temporary. It will leave you. And if the happiness doesn't leave you, sooner or later the money, the material things will leave you. Because of sin, material things are inherently deteriorating, depreciating, decaying, ultimately dying. In the end, even the earth will pass away. So why would I make as treasure, why would I put my hope in something? Why would I live for something? Why would I pursue something that is supposed to be for my long-term good when I know up front by its very nature the happiness it brings will not last and eventually the thing itself will be destroyed? Doesn't make sense. I mean, let me use another example. I'm trying to make this clear. If you knew that when you retired, you were going to spend all of your retirement years, let's say God blesses you with 25 years of retirement, but you're going to spend all of those years here in America, and you decide that you're going to build a home where you're going to live in when you retire, would you build a home in India? Is that where you'll be sending your money? Building a beautiful home in India? Huge, mansion-like, stately in India when you knew that you were going to be spending all of your retirement years here? No. You would say, this is where I'm going to be living. This is where I'm going to be staying for the rest of my life. So you know what? I'm going to invest right here in America and I'm going to build a nice retirement home for myself right here because this is where I will be. So hear me. 100 years from now, where are you going to be? One thousand years from now, where are you going to be? One million years from now, you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Since you know that, and you know that your time on this earth as it currently is, affected and impacted as it currently is by sin and decay and corruption, since you know at the most, 
I don't know whether 50 years from now, any of your old people will be around. Okay, so let me be generous. 50 years from now, people will come to this church and Bishop Johnson won't be here. They have a young, handsome, better-looking preacher than this one. Hopefully preaching as good as this one preaches, right? <laughs> All right. But I won't be here, and it's unlikely that you will be here. All right? Since I know I'm not going to be here 50 years from now, and you're unlikely to be here 50 years from now unless you're one of these very young kids, why would you be investing your time, your talent, and your money here when you know you're going to be spending forever there? Do you see? This is not just a command, do this, because I want your money. No. Be wise. Think about the length of your life. Think about where you're actually going to spend your time. And make the wise decision to prepare for eternity now. And treat your time in this world simply as a pilgrim. Passing through. Now a pilgrim passing through needs things while he passes through. So yeah, you need to take care of yourself while you're here. But always keep in mind that you are going to have far more years than, the, than that which will be allotted to you here on earth. Ladies and gentlemen, you have a very, very, very long life to live. The only thing is, it won't be on this earth as it currently is. It's going to be in the kingdom of heaven. So don't lay up treasures where you're not going to be. Lay up treasures, Jesus says, but have enough sense to lay up treasures where you will be. Be rich towards God. Don't allow material possessions to deceive you such that it displaces God and takes God's place in your life. Lay up treasures such that God will receive maximum glory by that decision and you will receive maximal benefit. Not just for 10 years or 20 years, but since you're going to be living forever, that you might receive maximum benefit from your investments today forever. Are you hearing me? So now, we are told, no, we are commanded to lay up treasures, to lay up treasures for ourselves. So, so Jesus, again, doesn't have a problem with you seeking your own interest. Just don't only seek your interest. Are you hearing me? And lay up your treasures in the kingdom of heaven. Why? I told you why not to live or why not to lay up your treasures on earth. Why is Jesus saying this is where you should be laying up your treasures? In the kingdom of heaven. He says, for one, because treasures that are laid up in the kingdom of heaven will last forever. They are secure. If you want to put your, your investment somewhere, that would be guaranteed. 
safer than Fort Knox. Hmm? Where there's no possibility of loss. 100% guaranteed return. No thief will ever break in and steal. Inflation will not affect it. Depression will not affect it. It's secure. It's going to be there when you need it. He says if you want to put your treasure, your most valuable possessions, where they'll be secure and where you will always be able to find them and lay hold of them and benefit from them when you need to, Lay up your treasures in the kingdom of heaven. Or let me change it a little bit. Make spiritual things your treasure. Make heavenly things your treasure. Because they are not subject to decay or corruption or death. Here's another reason why you should decide, you know what? I am going to lay up treasure for myself. I am going to seek my self-interest. But I'm going to, because of that, lay up my treasures in heaven. Because wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart is going to be. And I want my heart to be set on things above. I want my heart to be set on God. Because I want God to receive maximum glory from my life. And since wherever my treasure is, my heart will be, and my treasure cannot be below, and my heart be above, I want my heart set on God, so I'm going to set my treasure in heaven. I'm going to make heavenly things my treasure. I'm going to lay up my treasure in heaven because my heart is going to follow my treasure, and I want my heart always pursuing God and the things of God. If you make material things your treasure, your heart will not pursue God. You're going to struggle in your relationship with God. They will choke you, like the, like the, like the parable said. Dry you up spiritually, and you will end up not being fruitful or fulfilled. I hear me? So here's the second reason. You want to do that. Because if you set your heart, or your, if you place your treasure in heaven, your heart will follow. And your heart will start pursuing after God, who is the only one that can truly fulfill you. And no longer after this false, fraudulent spirit of mammon that will deceive you. For where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Let's say that. For where my treasure is, there my heart will be also. Amen? And then lastly, let me ask, let me ask, let me ask the final question and try to answer it. If Jesus, I am supposed to lay up my treasures in heaven because there they will be guaranteed. There 
They will ensure, ensure that my heart is pursuing after God. Uh, is there another benefit? And, and how do I tap into that? How do I do this? There's one more benefit that makes setting your treasure in heaven better than on earth. Is because treasures on earth at the most will benefit you just for a while on earth. They have no power to benefit you in heaven. They have no power to impact your spiritual life. They have no power to cause blessings to flow into your life spiritually. But the Bible says of the spiritual treasure, this is what scripture says, godliness is profitable. And it is profitable both in this life and in the life to come. A third reason to choose to make heavenly things your treasure is because the investments you make in the kingdom of heaven will not only benefit you in the life to come, but they will benefit you today. The treasures we are laying up in heaven, we don't have to die to stop benefiting from them. I absolutely am convinced that many of the blessings I'm walking in today are because of investments we made many years ago, not just money, but investments in the kingdom when we, when we gave our time, when we gave our talents, and we gave our treasure many years ago, we today are reaping the spiritual benefits of what we did years ago. So when you decide to place your treasure in heaven, you can be assured that the kingdom of heaven is not just over there. The kingdom of heaven is already now in our midst. So you begin to benefit right now from the rewards of the kingdom. That's why later on in this same chapter, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Don't worry about all of these other things. That you go ahead and seek first the kingdom. And all these other things that they're chasing after, those things will be added to you. Hallelujah. So a third reason to do this is because you begin to derive benefits in this life. And you are guaranteed benefits in the next. You can't lose can lose. So now, how do I lay up the treasures? I want these benefits. I want my heart to always be pursuing after God. I want these benefits. I want to make sure that what I am investing, my treasure will be secure. I want to be sure that I am able to reap the rewards in heaven in eternity, but also reap rewards even on earth. I want that. Jesus, I, I want that. So sh show me now, Lord, how do I invest in heaven. Well, uh, how many of you know you can't, you can't buy nothing in the kingdom of heaven with money? Uh, the American dollar that we would kill ourselves for, it got no value in heaven or in the kingdom of heaven. In fact, the gold that people fight wars over, they tell me that the streets of heaven are paved with gold. So that's stuff that that people walk on in heaven. The point is, money, as we know it, is a medium of exchange, but only valuable here on earth. In the kingdom of heaven, you cannot buy one blessing. You cannot buy peace. You cannot buy joy. You cannot buy wisdom. You cannot buy holiness. You cannot buy supply. You cannot buy favor. 
You cannot provide by anointing. You cannot provide by uh, whatever. You cannot purchase anything with money. It has no value. It's just like if you take the Liberian dollar. My people, I'm from Liberia, so if I insult Liberia, I'm insulting myself. Eh? You, you take the Liberian dollar to U.S. and you take it to Walmart. What will you buy with it? That's the idea. Don't laugh. It's not just Liberia dollars. Some of your country. <laughs> Say hallelujah. It's the fact is, if I want to purchase things in the U.S. when I come here, if I, if I bring the euro or I bring uh, the, the yen, is that okay? In this country, I'm going to have to exchange the yen for the dollar. Because you buy things, you, you invest here with the dollar. So I got to have to what? Have a way to exchange the yen for the dollar. I have to be able to exchange the euro for the dollar. In the kingdom, in Isaiah 55, God says, come and buy without money. Oh, buy without money? Yeah, because money got no value. But how can I buy? There has to be an exchange. I need to exchange money for the currency that is used in the kingdom of heaven where transactions are made between God and man. Oh, I'm preaching better than you're listening. Amen. So on earth, if I want to do the yen to dollar, I go to the currency exchange or whatever, and I do it. So how do I change exchange Money, since money has no value, for the currency of heaven. Well, first of all, we got to know what the currency is. What is the medium of exchange in the kingdom of God? Faith and love. Everything in the kingdom operates on what? Faith and love. Faith and love. So if I come together in prayer, faith, love, there can be an exchange there can be a transaction. Every transaction in the kingdom of God is done using the medium of exchange that heaven respects, faith and love. Salvation requires an exchange of faith and love. Are you hearing me? So if I want to reap the full benefits of the kingdom of God, even in this life, I got to learn how to exchange what I have here for faith and love. How do you do it? All right. Go to, go to that passage there in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go to verse 17 to verse 19. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's read it together. Command those who are rich... In this present age, not to be haughty, not to do what? Trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who does what? So there's another example while you don't have to think that Jesus is forbidding you from having money. He, in fact, he wants you to enjoy his blessings. So go ahead. God blesses you. Enjoy your blessings. 
Just remember, it's not just for you. All right? Next verse. Let them do good. That they be what? Rich in good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. Storing up. You could say treasuring up. For themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. Now let me read a portion of that in the easy translation. Here's what the easy translation says. Tell those rich people, people who have money, and all of us are rich. You say, I'm not rich? Compare yourself to the rest of the world. And all of us here are rich. Hmm? So tell those rich people in America. <laughs> he said, oh, that's Bill Gates. No, it's you and me. He said, Bishop, I'm going to make him $15 an hour. How many persons from the country you come from make 15 U.S. dollars an hour? How much is that a week? Hey, man, your accountants, you should know this by heart. 8 times 540, right? 8 times 1 is 8. That's $120 a day. Times 5, that's $600. Hey, you couldn't tell me nothing. Just, I had to figure it out. All right. So that's $600 a week. That's $2,400 a month. Times 10, that's $24,000. Plus another 4, that's $28,000. My goodness. Plus another 6, that's why over $28,800. I think my math is correct. The boy got brain, man. <laughs> okay. How many people you know living in the countries you're from that make $28,000 a year? Most of us make more than that. So we are the rich. All right? We're rich in this world. But how do I become rich in that world? How do I become rich in the kingdom? I got to be able to exchange money for faith and love. And this is how you do it. He says, tell those rich people to do many good things to help other people. That is the way in which they should be rich. They should be very kind to other people and share their things with them. In that way, watch this, in that way they will store valuable things for themselves in heaven. So by giving, they will begin to store up treasure in heaven. So by giving, motivated by faith and love, money now is being changed into spiritual currency. Such that now by giving in faith and love, we are now able to begin to transact business in the kingdom of God. Because when I give, watch this, I'm saying this carefully. When I give, motivated by faith and love, my money is converted into faith and love and becomes the currency of exchange in the kingdom. 
And that's how I start to become rich towards God. And I begin to store up, the passage says, treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot corrupt. So now when I start giving, and I know we're talking about money, but this is not just money. When I give my time, motivated by faith and love, time given, motivated by faith and love, it's, 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 it's transforms into the currency that the kingdom of God transacts business with. It becomes faith and love. When I give and invest my talent motivated by faith and love, my giving of my talent to serve others changes what I'm giving into the currency. It becomes faith and love, which lays up treasure in heaven, which God then can respond to. It's not the money, but it's the faith and love that is expressed when you give money, when you give time, when you give tre uh, 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 treasure, that faith and love express transforms the time, the talent, and the treasure into spiritual currency. And you find yourself becoming rich towards God, laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust will never corrupt and where thieves will never follow, where thieves can, can never, never steal. And so the Bible says in the book of Revelation, and their works will follow them. And their works will follow them. And their works will follow them. Another passage, I think it's in Luke. He says, use unrighteous mammon. And win friends for yourselves. My goodness, every time you are using money for the salvation of lost souls, you're laying up treasure in heaven. You're converting money into something eternal. Which will influence your heavenly reward. Do you hear that? Yes. Bottom line, this is not about making you poor. This is about making you truly rich. This is not about making you poor. This is about delivering you from fraud, from becoming a victim of a lie. This is not about making you poor. This is about increasing your spiritual wealth portfolio. There's a lot God doesn't tell us about how these things work in the kingdom. But there is enough in the word to convince us that the wisest thing to do with my time and my talents and my treasure in light of eternity is to invest. Turn money, turn time, turn talent into heavenly treasure. And you do that by giving, motivated by faith and love. I pray that you will do that more. I will do that more. Listen, find ways to give time to God's work, to God's people, for God's glory. Find ways to use your gifts and talents on behalf of God's people for God's glory. Do that. And man, find opportunities to give money. 
Amen? Through God's work, for God's people to meet needs. Because that's the way you become rich towards God. And that's the way you lay up treasures where moth and rust cannot corrupt. May it be so for me even more and for you. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, and everybody says, and everybody says, amen. So be it. In Jesus' name. Father, take this word which you have given us and cause it to come alive in my heart. Let it be light for me. Let it be light for them. That we may walk in the fullness of our inheritance. That our lives may bring maximum glory to you, O Father, while at the same time bringing maximum personal benefits to ourselves. This is your will. Help us to walk in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Well, yeah, go ahead.